Pastor Bill, Heidi, God bless you. Good having you here this morning. Um, but our, our associate pastor uh, has been prayed up. He heard from God, and he has a message to share with us this morning. So would you please give our associate pastor a warm welcome as he comes today. Pastor Bill. We appreciate you. God bless you. <laughs> you know, I, I get, I'm, I'm kind of used to it by now. It's not too bad, but, it, I, you know, I guess it's something we don't want to get used to, but it is what it is for now. There's a purpose behind it for now. So, um, but one, one thing I wanted to... Uh, there's something that was said in the first service that I, I, I think needs to continue now because she, she mentioned it during worship again, and I think it's important that um, all of us have wounds. And she talked about wounds. She mentioned wounds during worship. And um, wounds can be healed, but they need to be handed over. They need to be, you need to, you need to be able to, willing for it to be healed, for the to, to proper treatment to be done on them, and you've got to give it the proper time to heal. But there's a lot of people whose wounds might not be healed yet. Maybe you're picking the scab. Maybe you're not willing to let it go. Maybe you're not willing to be healed. But one thing I will say that for myself my own experience from being healed many times of wounds that it makes you stronger. Our wounds, they make us, when they get healed, makes us stronger. So understand that the wound has a purpose and it's to make us stronger. It's not to make us weaker and to break us down, but it's to make us stronger because when he heals it, all of a sudden we have a strength that we didn't have before because of their healing and because what we learn through it which is going to lead to my message today. Um, and it's, God always confirms messages, and He does. He confirms it through His Word. He confirms it through, through prayer. He confirms it through worship. He confirms it through other people. And, um, you know, how many of us go through trials in life? We all do. We've been going through trials for the last five months, haven't we? with everything that's been going on and all the, all the things that have been coming against us that have limited us, that have restricted us, that have taken things from us. How many of us like going through trials? We don't. We don't. I, don't, I, I mean, to sit there and say we like to go through a trial to a trying time is not... I mean, we don't like it. But is it beneficial? Yes. Is it needed? Yes. Is it necessary? Yes. Trials are necessary. But yeah, this is how we grow. This is how we change. This is how we learn new things. There's so much in a trial that is good for us if we would just, just, just look for it in there. One thing I've noticed about trials, though, is that Sometimes they're personal, but sometimes they affect everyone. Sometimes they affect large groups. 
like you look right now at what's going on, it's affecting everyone. This trial is affecting everyone. You know, I have a friend in India who I talk to. His name is Kamal, and uh, it's affecting India very, very severely. And to think that's a third world country where they've already been devastated by so much other things of oppression and, and just things there that are just totally different than here, to think that this is even, it's even worse there than it is here because of what they've already experienced. Think about world wars. World wars affected everybody. Affected every part of their lives. Affected families. It affected finances. It affected everything. But then there's the personal trials to affect us or affect our family only. Might be death. Might be something being taken away. Might be an addiction. It might be just a life situation going on. But then there's, I think, there's trials that we go through that are really, 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 really personal, meaning like it's, it's between us and God. Sometimes God stirs something inside of us personally, each and every one of us. And it's not about any, what's going on in the outside, but it's what's going on in the inside. I think all of us have experienced that in life also where it's, more, it's, it's personal. This is between us and God. It, nobody else has caused it. Nobody else has affected it. But it's between us and God. No matter what, we all go through these experiences. And it's part of life. This is part of life. And it is beneficial to life. Now, I, I would like to look at a certain type of trial or test and call it a wilderness experience. Because throughout the Bible, it, it, through my studies, it, it was showing that there's like a hundred different wilderness experiences that happened in the Bible where somebody was taken and they were brought, and something was taken from them, and they would consider them wilderness experiences where God takes away or leads us away from things that influence us or lead us to places to a place where we depend on him. He takes, us, he takes things away so that we, we, have to, we have to depend on him. He has to be the one who provides. We have to put our dependence on our creator, our provider. You know, I remember a time... Um, in one of these wilderness experiences, it was, uh, it was a personal one. It was one where um, God was just dealing with me. And uh, God had, you know, he put on my heart to step down from uh, youth ministry and to step down from uh, assistant pastor at the time. And just to step back in my roles at the church. And um, it was like I was giving, uh, what was being taken from me or what I was willing to give up was my titles. That's what it came down to. It was giving up titles, giving up responsibilities that I would, you would consider that I was responsible for. And I, I, it wasn't easy, but I did. And I remember through about, it was about a year I went through that, that experience. And through that time, one thing I noticed is that titles don't matter. Titles didn't matter. I continued to serve the Lord I continued to do what I did. I didn't stop serving. I didn't stop going. I didn't stop being who I was. 
So it was God showing me that this is who you're called to be. We're all called to do that. We're all called to serve. We're all called to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Without a title, it's not a job. It's a calling on our lives. It's a calling on our lives. Which leads me to my um, title of my message today. My message today is, the title is, Found in the Wilderness. And my main scripture is found in Job 1, 20 to 22, but I'm not going to go there yet. I have a, a, the Lord has put a lot on my heart, so I wanted to go through and, and then get to this point. But that will be my main scripture that I will focus on. Now, the wilderness is not always a pleasant place. It can be harsh and unforgiving. When you know, when I think, when I go out into the wilderness, and which I do, I did uh, last week. I took a couple of days and I went away into the wilderness by myself. And um, you got to be careful. You need to realize that it can be harsh. If you get hurt out there, it's not an easy way out. It's not an easy plan. You, you know, and you got to watch what you drink. You got to watch what you do. You have to be prepared. But in that place, it brings you back to a place of just being with your Creator and being with Him. And that's what it does for me anyways. And everybody's wilderness, I think, is different. And it's, everybody's is different. That is my wilderness experience. And that's what I, and I do enjoy. And, I, and I, I enjoy it, but it's not always easy. I didn't want to go last week, I can remember. And there was something that was deterring me. Because I knew, I, I heard it was going to rain on Friday. And I look at the weather report to say it's going to rain on Friday. So I had to prepare for that, to be ready for rain. Well, guess what? It didn't rain on Friday. Like Pamela said it wouldn't, actually. <laughs> she did. She said, oh, just because it said it's going to rain doesn't mean it's going to. She said that. Yes. <laughs> but it did rain, but it didn't rain until I was in a good place where it could rain. I was in my tent. I was, it was good. It was good. But um, it, was a be- it was a beautiful time with the Lord. And this message was actually placed on my heart while I was there. But, you know... We naturally do not want to be in the wilderness. We don't want to be in that place where it's, everything is hard and everything takes work. So even to drink water when you're in the wilderness, you have to purify it. You've got to make sure it's right. You know, where I was, there was only a pond. That's the only thing I had to drink of. The, the river source was on the other side of the pond, where, but where I was camping, which was the only place you were supposed to camp in that area because of, um, because of what type of land it was, it was a pond. That's where you got your water from. So I had to make sure that, it, that it's boiled. I had to make sure that it's sterilized. And I, had to make, and I have the proper equipment to do that. But you have to, this is important. This is what, this is what it's like being in the wilderness. It's not, everything's always easy. Something, it, it makes it a little harder. to a little bit more survival. But most of us naturally want to, we want to live in prosperity. We want to live in health. We want to live in the easygoing. We don't want to have problems. We, we just want everything to go smoothly and nicely. And it, but you know what? It's not always like that in the wilderness. And I believe in the wilderness, we find the center of God's will. Because a lot of times in the wilderness, there's something there that God wants for us, that he wants us to get. Even in a time like this, there's something there that God wants for each and every one of us. And I know it's not to go back, but it's to move forward. 
to move forward. A lot of people I hear that have been talking about, oh, I, I want it the way it used to be. Guess what? I don't think it's going to go back the way it used to be. And I don't think it's supposed to go back to the way it used to be. It's supposed to be what God wants it to be, whatever that is. None of us really know at this moment. We're trying, we're working through it. But he's doing something, but I think he's, for each of us, he's doing something to get us ready for what is next. So in the wilderness, there is problems and there is challenges. <laughs> I just looked over at Justin. I can think about well, um, Justin, myself, and Alvin went. Um, we went for a hike, and we did a, a pretty a pretty normal hike. But then we took a different trail back. I mean, forget it. And on that trail back, the trail was awful. It wasn't marked. So all of a sudden, we we were gone. We were bushwhacking. <laughs> if you what I mean by that, meaning that we were in the middle of nowhere and there was, we could not keep track of the trail because the trail was just not marked well. But thank God that we didn't panic, we didn't freak out, and thank God for my, I, I would say, my experience, I, I just kind of sensed which way it was. I sensed which way we came from. I, that's my sense of direction. And we got out. Justin might have lost a shoe, but, <laughs> but we got two shoes. His shoes got stuck in the mud. We, we were going through, he got stuck in the mud, and all of a sudden he pulled his feet on his shoes. His shoes were in the mud. <laughs> but we got through. We survived. We survived, and, it was, you know, and we didn't panic, and we didn't overreact. We just kept, we kept together, we stayed wise, and we, we, got, we got out safely. So, you know, um, there's problems, there's challenges, but there's also purpose. There is purpose in the wilderness. And, the, and there's four things I want to look at about wilderness. And the first is, wilderness is a place of separation. And through, and through these four um, things, I want to look at two things. I want to look at Israel, and I want to look at Elijah. And you'll see the scriptures up there. But, the, but um, I'm not going to read those scriptures, but I'm going to kind of paraphrase and go through them and, and, and kind of set the scene for what was going on and what happened. So wilderness is a place of separation where sometimes we get separated from something. Right now, I think a lot of us have been separated from a lot of things. I know for myself, that my wife and I, we couldn't see our grandchildren for months. And it broke our heart. We wanted, we wanted to see them, but we couldn't. There were so many things that were taken from us it was a place of separation. Now with Israel, and you'll see in Exodus 12, 31 to 32, they were taken from slavery. They were taken from slavery in Egypt, and they were brought out into the wilderness. And at that time was a desert. That's what, so, but they were taken from slavery, from a place you would think they would want to be out of. And they were put into the desert. And then you see Elijah here, he was also separated in 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4. But his separation was caused by fear. Because at the time, he was in fear of his life because Jezebel was looking to kill him and have him killed. So he ran to the wilderness. He ran away in fear. But one thing about the wilderness experience is it always separates us. It always gets us to a place where we, where we need God, where we need him more. But the wilderness is also a place of preparation. There is a purpose, preparation in the wilderness. 
See, in Israel, in Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 6, it says that God had brought them to this place to humble them. He wanted to humble them, and he also wanted to show their true hearts. So Israel was taken out of Egypt, they were put in the desert, and they were humbled. And, they were, and their hearts were shown, which is what happens when we get into the wilderness. All of a sudden, when things are taken from us, our true heart is shown. And I think through this time, a lot of people's, I, it doesn't mean, and, and all of us sometimes have time, things in our heart that need to be dealt with at all times. I think through this time, a lot of people's hearts have been shown. For good and for bad. For good and for bad. But understand, he was preparing them. What was he preparing them for? He was preparing them for what he had promised them, the promised land. He was preparing, he wanted to prepare their hearts. He wanted them to be prepared for what he had for them, which was a promise. Then there was Elijah. He also, was, believe it or not, he went out to the woods in fear, right? But God knew what he needed. In 1 Kings 19, 5-9, it says, God gave Elijah what he needed. He needed rest. He needed nourishment. And God provided it for him while he was in the wilderness. He didn't ask for it. He didn't go say, God, I need... No, he didn't ask. It was just given to him because God knew what he needed. And God gave him exactly what he needed in the wilderness. He gave him the rest that he needed. He gave him the nourishment more than once. Several times gave him the nourishment because he knew what was ahead of him. He knew the journey that he had to take going forward. And and the purpose was for this time. Which leads to the next point, which is the wilderness is a place of revelation. The wilderness is where God, when we separate ourselves from all the revelations we hear throughout the world, all these voices that we hear... We get to a place where we are separated and we are with just us and God. Guess what? There's revelation. God, all of a sudden we can hear his voice, can we not? Because we're not hearing all the other, but we can hear his voice. He can speak to us. And in the, in the Israelites, in Exodus 19, 2 through 6, it says, he revealed through Moses who they were supposed to be. All of a sudden, God was showing the Israelites who they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be the treasured possession. They were supposed to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That is who they were called to be. They were the children of God at that point. They were the ones that were chosen. And Moses got that revelation and gave it to the people so they knew there was revelation given to them. And also Elijah... God, in um, 1 Kings 19, 11 through 18, God showed Elijah what he was to do next. He gave, he didn't, he didn't, he provided everything he needed, then he showed him, okay, now go do what you're called to do. And what he was called to do was to anoint Elijah, his successor. He was about to go and do the work that God had called him to do. But through all this time, through these experiences, Something is revealed, and that is our true heart. Wilderness experiences, they reveal our true heart. You know what? When everything's going good, we don't see, oh, everything's great, everything, I'm happy, I'm with the Lord, I'm praying. But let me, let me tell you, let, let the heat come on. Let the fire come down. Let's see how your heart, we'll see your response then. Because that's what really matters, isn't, isn't it? 
Because it's when things are like they are now, the response is what, this is what God sees. Because you know what? He sees it before it even happens, obviously. He sees our heart. But when things like this happen, we get to see people's hearts. And we get to see our own hearts for what they really are, where they really are at. Where they're really at. And as you can see with Israel in Exodus 14 through 12, 15, 24, and 16, 2 through 3, the, their heart was shown. The first time they realized that, all of a sudden they realized that Pharaoh was chasing after them. And they thought, oh, we and they, what'd they do? They cursed Moses and blamed him. You should have just left us there. We were better off there. We would have rather died there. And what did God do? God gave him the ability to escape Pharaoh, did he not? And he fought the battle for him, did he not? He did. Then there was no water. What did God do? He provided the water that they needed. And, and, and they complained. Oh, and then they grumbled. And then they said, oh, there's no meat. And what did God do? He provided the manna. He provided manna. He provided meat. So they complained. They grumbled. They were in fear. They cursed. And what happened? Because of their heart, that generation was never able to enter the promised land. The next generation was, but they were not because of their hearts. So it took a generation to change their hearts so their hearts would change. But then you see Elijah, 1 Kings 19, 19. Now understand, Elijah, when he went into the woods, he asked to die. He really did. He wanted to die. He was in despair when he went to the woods. He didn't go into the woods to get, get what God gave him. He didn't go into the woods to get the rest and get the nourishment. He went into the woods to die. He wanted to die. He was afraid. But God nourished him, gave him what he needed, and guess what? How was his response, though? That was so important that he obeyed. He did what God, he was called to do. He, he, he did, and he, he, and he did. He anointed Elisha as his successor. And let's think about Jesus in the wilderness experience. Being, after his baptism, being prepared and tempted in the way he was to show us and to teach us and to prepare himself for the cross which he was obedient to, and we, that we are so thankful for, for what he went through, his temptation, his wilderness experience for us. But I really want to focus on today is Job. And I'm going to go through Job 1, but I'm just going to paraphrase Job 1, but the scripture, I'm, I want to, and then I want to look at his response. Now Job was a man described by the of the book of Job as blameless, upright, one who feared God, shunned evil. He had an abundant family, seven sons, three daughters, and, and prosperity he had. He had all these things. He had 7,000 sheep, 300 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He was considered to be the greatest of all the people of the East, he was, a, he was a man who had respect. He had people looked up to him. He was a man with, with seniority. And his family was very close together. 
They stuck together. They celebrated together. The brothers and sisters celebrated all their achievements together. They were very close, close-knit family. And through all this, Job was the priest of his home, which I think is very important, and the covering over his family. Job would make sacrifices for his children and for his family. He would, he would pray, and he, and, he, and he was the one who brought forth the presence of the Lord to his family. And that's a message for us men. Us men need to rise up, and we need to become the priest of our homes. Can't make excuses. Oh, I, I don't have time. We need, men, rise up and become the priest of your homes. We need to be the example of our homes. We can't just let somebody else do it. We need to. We need to be the priests of our homes. We need to be the ones who brings forth what needs to happen in the home. And, 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 and today, that is not the norm. It is not. It is not the norm. But it needs to become the norm for our homes to be in order. The men need to rise up. God, even God spoke very highly of Job. And he described him as the author did, uh, did, as blameless, upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. That's how God described him. Who did he describe him to? Satan himself. Well, Satan came into the picture from roaming throughout the earth and, as usual, was accusing God of protecting and favoring Job and said, if you would take away what has been given to him, he will curse you. That is what Satan said of Job. But God, knowing Job very well, and God knowing us very well, he's not going to give us a trial or an experience that we cannot handle. He'll never give us anything that we cannot handle through him. We can handle all things through him. He is our strength. We need to get to that place where we realize that all things can be handled through him, through his strength. And God allowed Satan to take away these things from Job. He allowed Satan because he knew that Job could handle it. He knew that Job would not curse him. He knew that Job was prepared and ready for this. Think about that. So Satan brought catastrophe upon Job. In which it seems like, if you read the story, it seems like it was in a few hours that all of this happened. That all of a sudden, he takes his oxen, he takes his servants, he takes his sheep, he takes his camels, he even takes his sons and daughters. Took all of his wealth, took his family, his offspring. And it happened in many different ways. It didn't happen all at once. It happened once the, um, the Sabaeans came in and they took all the oxen and the donkeys. Then fire came from heaven and burned up the sheep. And then the Chaldeans came and they took all the camels. And then the wind came and took down the house where all his kids were celebrating and they were taken and, and took their lives. But then we see Job's reaction to all of this and his true heart. This is where his true heart is revealed of who he was. Job 1, 20-22. It says, At this, Job got up, 
he tore his clothes and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground and worshipped and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with any wrongdoing. Think of that. Think of, think, of, think of what comes against us and how we handle it. Think of our hearts. So the first thing I see with Job, Job mourned his tremendous properly. He was broken. It says that he, that he tore his clothes and shaved his head. He went to a place of mourning. He allowed himself to be broken. He allowed himself to be humbled. You know what? Through this time, has anybody here really humbled themselves and cried out to God? I hope so, because that's what we need to do. We need to cry out to God and just say, Lord, I am yours. That's what he was saying. I am yours. His first reaction, he, did this, he mourned and showed his sadness with all these losses. He showed his sadness. But he didn't mourn like the pagans mourned. Now, the, back then, the pagans, what they would do in times like this, they would cut themselves, and they would gouge themselves, and they would tattoo themselves, as it's described in Leviticus 19.28. That's how they handled it. But he didn't handle it that way. I want you to think about the people in the world today, how they're handling everything going on, and how they're dealing with it. How are they dealing with it? Are they mourning? Are they mourning? Are they broken? Are they, are, they, are they being prideful? Are they handling it in different ways? Are they medicating themselves? Are they running from God? He expresses his, expressed his emotions, and it led him to a place of worship. He, did, he broke down, and he cried, but then he went to a place of worship, and he worshipped God. He didn't hold it against God. He didn't blame God. He worshipped God. How many of us can think about what's going on now and worship God? Worship God. Just worship Him and thank Him for who He is. For who He is. Decided to worship God through His circumstances. In the midst of His mourning, He decided to... He decided. It's a decision. We make a decision what we're going to do. We're either going to worship Him or we're going to curse Him. We make a decision. It's a decision in, uh, that we make. Who am I going to serve? Who am I going to serve? And despite his circumstances and feelings, he gave him praise. The third thing, he analyzed his situation. He looked at it, and he understood who was in control, and he accepted it. He accepted what happened. He didn't complain. He didn't grumble. He accepted it. He understood who God was. He says, naked I came and naked I will depart. He has given and he has taken away. Job analyzed his situation in a godly and wise way. He understood that everything he had came from God. Everything we have comes from God. And we didn't, he gave it to us. He blessed us with it. And sometimes, you know what, it gets taken away. But it came from him. It came from him. 
It all comes from him. And he understood that, and he knew who was in control of his life. God's in control of his life. He didn't try to keep, on, keep a hold of it. He didn't try to say, oh, can you give me this back? And he didn't even look back. He didn't even look back. Most would have cursed God. But Job showed his true heart, the condition of his heart. And that's what happens in times like this when we're in the wilderness, is our true condition of our heart is shown. And it's okay, because sometimes it's not right. But God can heal it. God can change it. God can give you a new heart. But we need to get to that place of brokenness where he can. We have to get to that place where we give it over so that he can. We need to get to that place of humility, like Job did, and a place of complete humility, knowing who's in control. Now, how about us? How are we handling the mourning process? Because we're all going through it. We've all lost many things. We've all, things have been taken away. Schedules have been changed. Life has been changed. Church has been changed. Family has been changed. How are we handling it? How are we mourning through it? Are, 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 we, are, are we getting to that place where, God, do what you're going to do? Surrendering to him? Have we, been, have we been worshiping through it? Have we been able to worship through it? Have we been able to... Because that's, that's, that's our real weapon, is it not? When we worship through, that's a weapon. The enemy does not like it when we can worship through these times. He does not like it when we can worship through these times. Have we been able to see God through it? And accept what he's done and what's happened. God is in the middle of it. He's in the middle of all things. If we believe who he is and that he is in control, then he's in the middle of it. He's not far away. He's right in the middle of it. He's right in the heart of it. Just waiting for us to respond. Waiting for us to get to that place of brokenness. Waiting for us to get to that place where he can say, okay, here, 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 do this, do that. Be his servant. Do what he asks us to do. And my points today, my first point is, what have you been separated from? Has he taken away? Has he taken away a job, a friend, family, church? Has he taken away his peace? Which, he, he is peace, and he wants peace for us. So maybe the peace, I don't know. I know he wants it for us. I know it's there for us. What is he taking away from you? Well, James 1, 2-4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you go through trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete. We need to let him do the work in this. We need to allow him to do the work in this. We can't be looking back and say, well, I want to go back to what it was like back then. No, we need to look forward and say, God, what do you want next? What is the future? We need to be getting ready and prepared for what he has for us going forward, not back there. We need to go forward. We need to move forward, whatever that may be. But in order to get to that place, we need to be at a place where we accept what he's taking away and say, okay, Lord, what do you want next? What's next? What's next? Stop hanging on to things. We can't hang on to things. Because maybe they were taken for a reason. We don't know. Maybe they were taken for a reason. Got timed out here. Second thing is, what do you believe God is trying to prepare you for? Through this time, has he been working on you? Has he been working on your heart? Has he been working on, on your life and letting you see the things that he's taken away and why he took them away? You know what? Is he, um, what is he preparing you for? I know he's preparing us for eternity. That's for sure. He's preparing us for eternity. He's preparing us for something in the future. What is that? We might not know yet, but we, that's where we need to be looking. We need to be looking there. We cannot be looking back. We cannot look back because the church is not going to be the way it was before. It's not. It's going to be different. And, it, and, and I don't believe it's going to be less. I think it's going to be greater for whatever reason, whatever, whatever that means. Whatever that means doesn't mean numbers. It, it can mean the spirit of the it could mean anything. Who knows what happens? Maybe it's healing. Who knows what's going to happen? But something greater is coming. He's preparing us for something greater, not for something less. Something greater. Something greater. First Peter 1, 6-7 says, In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is a time when we're going through the fire. We're being refined. We're being changed. He's taking things from us. We need to let him go. Let it go. Let it go. Let him burn it off. Let him clean you. Let him purify you so that you can, for, for the future, it says for the future, and may it result in praise. May it result in us praising him for him taking these things from us. Whatever it may be. It might be painful now, but you know what? He has a plan for it, for the future. And it's not to be painful. It is to mature you and to complete us. We need to be matured and complete. We need to become like who? Like Christ. Just like his words said, we become like him. But that's only through the fire. It's only through trials. It's only through wilderness experiences that this happens. It does not happen when everything is going nice and smooth. When we're on the mountaintops. It happens in the valleys. It happens in the tougher areas in our life. That is when the change happens. That is when we are led. That is where revelation comes. That's when it comes. 
Third thing is, has he shown you anything in this? Has he shown you your heart? Has he shown you a condition of your heart? Has he shown you things that, he, that need to change? And I don't, I, mean, I don't mean just showing you. You need to accept it. He can show us things, but we, we, if we don't accept them, they ain't going to change. We need to accept it and it needs to change. And be willing to give it over and give it up. We need to be willing to give up things that are not good. We need to be willing to say, Lord, change me. Lord, change me. Change this. Take this from me. I can't do it on my own. We need to be willing to do that. Because the revelation is about ourselves. The revelation is about the future. The revelation is about it's for eternity. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, that promise, the promise of crown of life doesn't come to when? We get to heaven. Correct? We get to heaven. So guess what? We don't get the gift here. We might not get the gift here, but we will get it when we get there. And that needs to be our focus is on eternity, not on the temporary, not what we see in front of us, but what is eternal and forever, and what is the unseen. And the fourth thing is, how has your heart been? I put some words up there because I've seen so many things. Has it been joyful? And I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen a lot of joyful hearts. And I'll be honest with you. I've seen some, but I have not seen a lot of joyful hearts. I've seen broken hearts, which is understandable too. It's okay. It's okay to be broken because God wants to change our hearts. It doesn't mean because we're broken we're wrong or we're bad. It just means that he wants to do something with us. Is it rebellious? Is it angry? Is it depressed? Is it falling away? Our heart's condition is showing now. We need to accept where our heart is and say, you know what, change it. I don't want this. We need to come to reality and open our eyes of what's really, what is our true condition? We need to get, to, get down and dirty with the Lord. What is our true heart condition through this? What is it? Am I complaining all the time? Am I complaining about this? Complaining about the government? Complaining about this? Complaining about this? Grumbling about this? Why didn't this one do that? Why didn't that one do that? The Lord is our provider. He will provide. But you just need to, you need to go to him and allow him to do that. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And that's what Job was going through. Think about it. Job was, Job was in a complete, complete brokenness. And it even got worse for Job, did it not? Satan got permission to touch his body physically, and he had sores all over his body. And then his own wife went against him and told him to curse God and die. And then his, own, his friends come and, t- and give, um, pass judgment upon him. Like that he had done some sort of sin. That there was something wrong. That he did wrong. And that's why God was doing what he said. Which was not true. And, but, but Job stood his ground. 
even though he was at the point where he wanted to die because he could, he, it was just such a heavy burden on him. He wanted to die. But in the end, what happened? God came, God answered, God passed judgment upon his friends, did he not? Told them that they were the ones with the sin problem, not Job. They were the ones with the sin problem. And he blessed them even greater the way he was already blessed. So it was greater. It wasn't less, it was greater. He, he had to go through this. Yes, he did. But it was an example for us to realize is that, you know what, we go through things, but you know what? He, he, he will give us everything we need. It says in that scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, it says, therefore do not lose heart. Through, uh, and, and then it says, um, for our light and monetary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all of them. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. What we see is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. It lasts forever. What we see here is temporary. What we see is not seen, it's only seen through the spiritual realm, is eternal. Is eternal. You know, I, I, this message, I, I got this message while I was up in the woods and, and sitting, you know, and, and, and just... We need to get to that place. Of, we need to get to that place of being in where we are. We, we are close to Him and abiding in Him. Like Pastor shared last week about abiding in the vine. We need to get to that place so that He can do what He wants to do. We we need to separate ourselves from things. Some things we need to be separated. He separated sports from us. I needed to be separated from it. He separated many Hollywood from us. It needed to be separated. There's so many things that we really need to let go and let, allow them to be separated so that he can prepare us for what he wants. And through this time, if we're seeking him, he will give us what we need. He will provide what we need. He will give us the revelation we need. He will give us the nourishment we need. He will give us the, through his word and through, and through prayer and through having a relationship with he will give us everything we need. That's like he's done for all others. He will give that to us. And if we need a new heart, he will give us a new heart. He will change our heart. He will deal with our heart. But we need to be willing to lay it down and lay down before him. And that includes our children. And I'll say that because I know how hard it is. It's hard to give up our children, is it not? We want to save them, do we not? We can't save them. We can lead them. We can guide them. We can be a light for them. We can show them. But we can't save them. We cannot save our children. But we need to be a pillar and strong. And, and, and to end out this message, there's one thing I want us to do. I want us to stand. Ephesians 6, 10 to 11, and this includes you online. I want you to stand up. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord 
and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We need to stand up. Pastor mentioned it in the first of it. What did Job do? He arose. The spirit in him arose. It needs to rise up, and we need to stand up, and we need to stand firm and stand our ground against any, any spiritual attack that's coming against us in any way, shape, or form. Because understand, God is still there. He's in the middle of it. He is. But we just need to go to him. We need to depend on him. And we, and we need to put our trust in him, no matter what. And we need to stand firm. And we need to put on the full armor of God. He gives us the weapons that we need. When we praise the Lord and we worship the Lord, we are fighting against him. He don't like that. And that's what we need to do. We need to rise up. We need to get, it, we need to get our swords. We need to get our word, and we need to be in our word. We need to study our word. We need to meditate on our word. We need to know our word. We need to live our word. Because knowing it's not only one thing, but now living it out is a totally different story. Because then it gets to the heart condition. You can have it in your head, but if you don't have it in your heart, then you know what? It's a big difference. I can say I love you, but if I don't show it... Is it real? It has to come from the heart. It has to come from the heart. It has to come through action. See, Job stood. He stood against fear. He did not give in to panic. Job stood and he mourned properly. Job stood against pride and humbled himself before God. Yeah, the position might have been, he might have been on his knees and he might have been on his face, but to, to, to us that's standing. Because when we're, when we're in that position, we're in the right position, are we not? We are. Because that's, that's when he can use us. When we're humbled and when we're low. It's not when we're high and mighty and lifted up and thinking we're all this. It's when we're low. Job stood against himself, his own self, his own flesh. And he, worship, and he chose to worship God. Job stood against his circumstances and focused on eternity instead. He didn't look at what he saw. He looked at what, what was unseen. Job stood against unbelief and did not give in to the vain questioning of God. Job stood against despair and saw the hand of God in the middle of his catastrophe. He stood and he saw God in the middle of it. He, saw, he knew God was still in control. Even though all those things were taken away from him, he still knew God was in control. Job stood against his anger and did not blame God. He didn't blame God for what's been going on. He didn't blame God and, say that, and act like God didn't know what he was doing. So what's found in the wilderness? God's will is found in our trials. God's will is found in the wilderness. It's found in times like this. God's will is right in the center of it, but that's what we need to be seeking after. We need to be seeking after him, seeking after his will, seeking after his ways. It's only going to happen when we're in his word, we're in him, and we're spending time with him. So I suggest for all of us, get to the time. Make it important. If you haven't got to that place yet, get to that place. And if you're complaining and grumbling, check your heart. Check your heart. Because complaining and grumbling, I know what happens. 
I know if I go into a place and somebody's complaining all the time and grumbling all the time, what do you think happens? It causes you to feel, you can get dragged into that very easily. That's why it's so important that we don't sit there and complain and grumble, but we just seek him, seek his ways, know that he is faithful, know who he is, like Job knew who he was. Job knew that he was in control. Job knew that he was, that doesn't matter what he did, he was in control. God is in control. And in the middle, middle of the, all of this that's going on, God is right in the center of it. He hasn't left us. He is right there, wanting us just to come to him and just, and just humble ourselves before him. And he will show us which way to go and what to do. He is our lifeline. He is divine, the one we need to attach ourselves to. He is. And Lord, I just pray right now, Lord Jesus, that I, Lord, I just pray through this time, Lord Jesus, that we just find our strength from you, Lord. We don't look to other ways of finding our strength, looking for something to bring us back to where we were, Lord. We don't look at at people for our strength. We look to you for our strength, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we seek you for our strength, that we get, we get close with you, Lord Jesus, and Lord, and that, and that Lord, you deal with us, Lord, and we'd we, we be willing, Lord Jesus, to bring our wounds before you, to bring our faults before you, to bring our hearts before you, Lord. I pray that right now, Lord. Let us just lay it all down to you and let you do what you want to do with us, Lord. Let you be the one who does whatever you want to do inside of us and lead us in whatever way you want to, Lord. I just pray that right now, Lord Jesus. I just pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, that that we will have the right perspective, Lord Jesus, that we will not look at the things that we see, but we will look at the things we do not see, Lord, that we will have a kingdom mentality, Lord, and we will know that you are doing something right now and you want to prepare us right now for something even greater that's coming down the line, whatever that may be, Lord Jesus. You are not looking for us Lord, to shrink. You were looking for you. We should be rising up, Lord. And that's what I pray, Lord, that we be prepared and we be matured and we be completed through this, Lord, and you make us into who you want us to be, Lord. Let ourselves be allowed to go through the fire and become what you want us to be, Lord. Let let you take what you want to take, Lord Jesus. Let us leave it, Lord. Let us let it go, Lord. Let it go, Lord. And let us stop depending on things that that are not from you, that are impure, Lord, and not from you, Lord. And let us pray, Lord, Jesus, that you make us into who you want us to be, Lord Jesus. You refine us, Lord Jesus. I just pray that right now, Lord Jesus, and I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Bill. Praise the Lord. I just want to uh, address this really quickly. Um, I can't help but thinking that something about the election this year plays into this whole thing, of what, what church life is going to be like, not only the pandemic, the election year, a lot's, a lot's at stake right now. And I wonder, what God is, I wonder what God is doing. But if he's preparing us for something, we better be ready. <laughs> what, if it, what if something happens next week? You know, we need to be ready. So I, I thank you, Pastor Bill. Timely word, very timely word. Um, I, I wanted to share also that uh, there was a pastor up in, uh, I always get this mixed up. Is it Greenland, New Hampshire, or Greenfield? What, what is it? Greenland? Greenland. The, the pastor, uh, Pastor Boria, I think his name is, uh, lost his adult son, 37-year-old son, in a boating accident. Uh, last week I read it. And uh, the pastor is pressing on 
He, he was shaken, but not, not totally shaken. He, he's, he's giving counsel to other people at this point. What an example of how to, how to keep going in the midst of a storm. So I want to encourage you, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're dealing with, God has you, and we can do this. We can do this. And by God's grace, we're going to do it. We're going to go forward. And one other thing, isn't it great to have some children in the church today? Hallelujah. Kids, kids, you were so good today. You're so good. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, parents. Uh, so anyway, so we're going to close out in prayer. Uh, Pamela and I are going to do something we hardly ever do. I'm going to run to the front and try to greet you on the way out today, if I can do that. So uh, I'll give you a quick fist pump. <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you for just for your, you being in your house today. Thank you, Lord, that we could come and, and hear the word of God and worship you and pray. Thank you, Lord, for encouraging us and challenge, challenging us this day. Lord, for those that are home watching by live stream, may your blessing be upon every household that has been involved with this service. Even if it's later in the week, Lord, may your presence be involved with every family, every household that's been involved with this service today. We thank you for it. We give it all to you. We pray for our country. We pray for this pandemic to cease. We pray for peace to prevail in our land. And, Lord, that you would be glorified in all things. For it's in your name that we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.